Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. I'm your co-host, Joel Phelan. And it's yet another short, abbreviated episode of the Redbox Report. And we've got a job for you right here. A Steve Jobs review, that is. As well as our top five Michael Fassbender movies. You know, he is Steve Jobs. And he is an yeah. actor. And we're going to count him down. You know, it's just how we do it around here. And I uh, just wanted to mention, I mentioned at the end of the last podcast, but there's a very good chance people don't get to the end of our podcast. So I'm going to say it up front. <laughs> We have started a YouTube account. If I'm sure if you just search the Redbox Report on YouTube, it should pop up there. But we're going to be, we have been and will be publishing our reviews and top fives on there. We're about to go on hiatus shortly, but hopefully we'll be able to pick it up uh, right where we left off when we come back. And if you want to subscribe to that, that would be great. And also... If you want to go to podcastawards.com and nominate us in the TV and film section as one of the best podcasts in that genre, that'd be awesome as well. So please do that, and we would appreciate it. Thanks. Goodbye. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Let's get on to Steve Jobs. This was a movie. They got 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty critically acclaimed, but then it kind of came and went. Very quickly, in and out of theaters. You didn't. It didn't get as much awards recognition as you might have thought it would get. Yeah, um, I think in a weaker year, it probably would have done a lot better. Yeah. But the end of the year ended up being super strong, and I know we said that the year before, but yeah, the end of the year it's been pretty solid the last few years. I would agree with that, and I don't know, just weird because you got an established director with Danny Boyle, established. Yeah. Writer Aaron Sorkin, who wrote The Social Network and Moneyball, you got a great cast with Michael Fassbender, Seth Rogen, Kate Winslet, Jeff Daniels. Like, I don't know. It's just interesting how what sometimes movies that get the attention and and then some that don't. Yeah. But do you think this was worth worth forgetting about, or are you more disappointed in in that reaction? I think this story's been told for the most part. I, they did a fairly original way of looking at it and dealing with it. But, I mean, Steve Jobs was just someone people were very interested in in the first place. So it wasn't like... They didn't bring to too much attention things that if you were halfway interested or watched anything about them, you wouldn't have known. But, I mean, I thought their performances were great. Yep. I just, I'm not that interested in Steve Jobs, personally. I'm not like an Apple person or whatnot, but it's kind of hard to put my finger on that. Yeah, you know, I think that the conceit is very original and very interesting. With It's basically the whole movie is just three different behind-the-scenes leading up to a press conference of a new Apple release. Um and and that's it. And I I had heard about that, so that had me intrigued. And 
I'm not, I mean, I am an Apple guy when it comes to my phones, but not when it comes to computers or anything else like that. I didn't, I didn't really know much about Steve Jobs himself. I didn't watch the Ashton Kutcher classic Jobs. I didn't, haven't watched any of the documentaries or anything like, whoops, like that. So this for me was almost like my introduction to maybe to get some of the actual story. I guess that's to be debated what, how, like, how much of this is, um, historically correct but to me it didn't matter i absolutely love this movie and i'm shocked that it got forgotten as fast as it did like i think the script is amazing aaron sorkin just knocked it out of the park yet again it's so fast-paced it's for me it was always interesting and entertaining some of these arguments that people have it's like an action scene. It's like it's so firing back and forth, fast paced. It's like it gets your got my blood pumping almost as if I'm watching a special effects chase sequence or something like that. Yeah, I was gonna say it's they make it very exciting for what in real life is probably Yeah. Or, I don't know. It's sort of a boring topic theoretically, but it's so exciting the way they do it. The acting's fantastic. Uh, the acting Kate is Winslet powerhouse. Was amazing. Yeah, very she, I think she's my favorite part of the movie by far. Um, uh, yeah, she is very, very good. But I, Michael I just, Fassbender mm. was really good. Um, looks absolutely nothing like Steve Jobs. Yeah, that's fair. But I don't. <laughs> uh, really but know. I mean, that's a minor thing. I mean, how many people really actually look like? Generally, speaking? I think Christian Bale, who was originally slated to be him, would have done would have looked the part more. But I think. You can't complain about this performance because I think it's just incredible. No, he, he's an amazing he, actor. He gets the genesis of that guy, like the the motif. His whole point of being is just laser focused on the work, you know, on the legacy. It's all about yeah. his his creative outlet, his legacy, his. But I like the theme that it's kind of like this guy is so motivated to like his creation his work to be perfect and to be the best it could be towards it but then his other creation his daughter he's running away from saying nope not mine prove it yeah it's such an interesting dichotomy there between that like and is he might not be a good person a good father a good man but he's an insanely good, I guess, frontman for this company. That was just what he was born to be, almost. Yeah. And it's like, um, what's more important? What is what legacy to, is more important to someone? Is it their like work as far as what you can read in a press release or a history book, or what your kids and grandkids will remember you by in in the future? Yeah. I mean, it's undeniable the impact he had. I mean, I mean, if you use a an operating system, you, yeah, you have an but, iPhone. But that's iPod. a strange thing. He doesn't really create anything. Yeah, that's He's that's the just one thing. The driving force. Yeah, I like how Which he put it he himself really in the movie. He says, "You guys at the band, I'm the uh, conductor." Yeah, like. I never really understood what his job was. 
Oh, get it? Um, as far <laughs> as Apple goes. But, uh, I mean, I guess he's able to put it in layman's terms or he's able to make decisions that just push it to another level. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I still don't really know, but it's he's, it's so convincing the way that it's portrayed that I'm like, yeah, he's the best. Yeah, it, yeah, I agree. It's kind of hard, but at the same time, it's like if he didn't really have talent in whatever exactly it is that he does, he wouldn't have made so many impacts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One, maybe two things. You kind of got lucky, but. I mean, he at one point was fired from Apple, and Apple tanked, yep. and he came back, and they became successful again. I mean, you just can't deny that. Exactly. Um, for me, seeing a lot of things about him, uh, I think a documentary, I saw the Ashton Kutcher movie, and I think they had like a uh, TV show on a while ago that was, I think it was more about Bill Gates and them, but I think they did an episode about Steve Jobs. The whole uh, Lisa thing mm-hmm. was a little played to me, but I they did it the best out of all of them. Um, the only thing I liked about the previous movie with Ashton Kutcher was uh, they did a little more backstory on like why he became the way he did, like yeah. going through college and all. He was very much a hippie, um, and it's actually if you go look at a picture, it's scary how much they look like each other Hmm. like really scary like if you look at a past like steve jobs when he was young it looks like a picture of ashton kutcher is weird but uh not that good of a movie by the way (laughs) don't go out of your way to really see shocker that's a shocker but um it's really not as bad as people make it out to be ashton kutcher is definitely one of those guys that people kind of love to hate yeah. Uh, although, I mean, he he doesn't have a ton of talent to back that up. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed the movie. I just, I think personally, I don't enjoy the person that much. I don't think he's that interesting of a person, even if he has been so influential. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, great directing, great acting, great cast. I almost feel like, though, Aaron Sorkin is used, he's so... Like, and I'm going to say this, it sounds negative, but it works out in a positive way, I think. Like, he's he's putting himself as Steve Jobs. It's basically, I think he's using Steve Jobs to write about himself because he thinks he's that important. And I think, yeah. like, he's battling in his own mind with the same thing that you're witnessing Steve Jobs. Like, I don't actually don't think Steve Jobs is really battling it i think he's chosen which one is more important but i think sorkin himself is like maybe debating that a little bit more yeah i don't know just i can i don't know if that's true at all but it kind of got that feeling also i wanted to say seth rogan is actually pretty good in a serious role here yeah i mean i he's not in it a ton but i thought he held his own with these fantastic actors yeah i gotta agree i I sort of forgot he was in it a little bit, but not in a bad way. Yeah. He isn't in it much. Um, He's a constant like nag. He's saying, come on, give us credit. Give us credit. I love uh, Kate Winslet's character, yeah. though. She's like the only person that can talk to him as a human being and kind of take his shit and give it back to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's great. She's definitely, She's definitely kind of his conscience. of that Oscar nomination. Yeah. And Jeff Daniels, I really enjoyed his 
interactions with that's when it felt like an action movie whenever they got together they're just firing back and forth at each other especially yeah. like my favorite scene in the movie is i believe it's in the 1988 press conference he like meets him he's just sitting there on a chair in this empty corridor and they just start getting into it immediately and and I think they might even throw a flashback in there during the argument, but love that part. And it, it yeah. is interesting that they chose three press conferences. Uh, 1983 for like, what was it? I don't even remember the first two or four, but 83 and 88, it wasn't for like a huge release, like an iPod or the iPhone or anything like that. The only big one, I guess, would be the 98 iMac. Which they ended on. Yeah. I just, what like, was it? The one was the Macintosh. Yes, the first one. And the second one was the Next, right? NXT or something? Yeah, that was when he was out of Apple. Yeah, and it was a failure. But he immersed, like, they treated it like he knew it was a failure. This was all just part of his grand plan. That's, uh, out of all the things I've ever seen on him, everyone said the same thing. Like, his goal from the beginning and starting that was to somehow work his way back into Apple. That's, that's super interesting to me, yeah. Which I think, actually, Apple ended up buying the company for patents and stuff like that. <laughs> that's so I funny. Think. Yeah, I mean... I, I like how this movie was uh, structured, though. Yeah. By the last press conference, I feel like it was a big payoff. Yeah, and I think they the actually... The whole vibe of the movie is a memory. Like... I feel like people were, like, remembering him. I don't know. I like the vibe of the movie in that respect. Yeah, and I like that you see the character development and progression over time from these. Like, you see where they were and where they are now. Like, if if it was a gradual thing, it would be less noticeable. I think they pulled that off pretty good. Yeah, uh, the feel of it, it almost reminds me of a documentary when they go through a thing and then they cut to the people to give perspective. It, mm-hmm. um, the movie does that naturally somehow, without actually yeah. literally. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, yeah. It's got a great pace to it. I think I was never bored. I, Even though, I don't know, this it's just a talky movie, but the pace is so fast that I was completely into it the whole time. It has an awesome score. I actually thought that was surprisingly one of the great parts about it, was just the score and how fitting it was and and that's a big part of why it was exciting during these uh, arguments and all that I thought it looked good even like the flashbacks like with Tim and Seth Rogen in the garage just looked good interesting visually and uh, would have been a great stage play too like you could imagine this in in like a theater stage play yeah that would be pretty easy. Just set up the set from 83, do the whole thing, back and forth. Uh, and an interesting choice that you never see the actual presentation of or press conference. Like, it cuts out right when he's about to to speak to the audience. Yeah. I like I that. I kind of like that, because it's almost like known history. Yeah, you could just YouTube generation. these presentations, I'm sure. Or maybe not the older ones, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And, um, let's see... Last thing, I, the only little nitpick I have is a little. There's they're playing with coincidence a lot with like how has every single person managed to be at all three events? I'm sure maybe it didn't happen quite that way, but I don't know. It made sense for 
what they were trying to do. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the movie. I guess my probably the weakest part would be the relationship between him and his ex-wife or girlfriend or whatever. But I did like the relationship with the kid, even if it was one of the more forced things. Yeah. I still had a little bit of uh, interest in that. Wasn't my favorite part, but it didn't bother me. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I'm going to give this bad boy a 9 out of 10. Really? It's one of my favorite movies of the year. See, I, I really enjoy I, I'm giving it an 8. Um, I could see people liking it more than me, like you. But um, <laughs> I would definitely recommend watching it, regardless. Yeah. just I think it's a movie that... If you if I see it on HBO, I feel like it's a movie that could be easy to pick up wherever it's at, because it's immediately you're going to be feel like you're in it just the way the whole dialogue and the pace and all and the fact yeah, that absolutely. it's sectioned up like you might catch it it starting at the eighty eight press conference, but you know it's the way it's, yeah, it's quite formatted. literally three acts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not missing and, a ton if you've already seen it. If you missed a little bit. And like you said, it's a really good pace. Like the night I watched it, I had no intention of actually watching the whole movie. I just sort of wanted to kind of get a feel for what it like looked like and all mm-hmm. that. And I ended up watching the whole movie all the way through before I even like thought to turn it off or whatever. Yeah, I would agree. It definitely was something I just put on in the afternoon on a Monday that I was off, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I'll watch this critically acclaimed movie with the actors I like and I'm interested, but then, I mean, I was just, like, glued to the television. So. Yeah, my mindset with, there's like, especially critically acclaimed movies is I want to really be in the mood to focus and watch a movie. But, like, sometimes I like to take a peek and see, like, what I'm getting in. Like, The Revenant, I, I've watched at least half of it. I loved every second of it, but... I didn't want to watch the whole movie, and I don't know. I really wanted to be focused. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. But uh, Michael Fassbender, he's one of my favorite actors going right now. I just feel like, just as I was putting my list together for the top five, which we're about to do, he has, I feel like, maybe the most bang for his buck, as far as I'm concerned, from movies that I've seen him in, like... Yeah. I think there's only two of his... I've seen 18 of his movies, and only two of them I didn't really like. And then there's one more that I was iffy on, but more positive than negative. But really, 15 of his movies that I greatly enjoyed. Uh, I just think he's one of these guys that, if he's in it, I can be pretty certain that I'm going to like this movie. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. He's, like, up there with Tom Hardy for me. That's a good company. Yeah, and I, I'll kick it off. Um, Steve Jobs is my number five for his top for top five Michael Fassbender movies. Nice. Said a lot um, about it already. When I made the list, I kind of excluded it because that's what I usually do. Yeah, probably. It probably would have made my top five. Um, but yeah, if you're wondering about that, listen to the beginning part of this. <laughs> yeah, rewind. Uh, speaking of which, my number five is X-Men First Class. If you want to know what I thought about that movie, you should listen to the previous episode. <laughs> yeah, but he that's my number 11, uh, Michael Fassbender movie. On the top five. <laughs> yeah, I have the whole thing. 
I just have a full of them. I just put them all in there. I know. But, uh, yeah. He's an amazing Magneto. He is incredible. I think if I thought Ian McKellen was like, you'll never be able to top him, but I think maybe Fassbender has as the young Magneto because you're rooting for him, but he's still a villain. He's still like a badass villain, but for some reason he has this quality that he gives him where you're sympathetic. You can see his point of view. He's almost not evil, even though he's a villain. Yeah. He's quasi-anti-hero or whatever, but not really. Yeah, him and Professor X, they're like slight variations on each other, but it sends them in uh, completely different directions. So you can tell uh, why they become frenemies, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What's your number four? My number four is a British film called Fish Tank, which... I've heard of it. I probably talked about it. <laughs> um, it's, I think when I was talking about The Diary of a Teenage Girl, I was comparing it to this, which I would, again, that was a, it's a frank look at a 15-year-old girl who kind of hooks up with her mom's boyfriend, and it gets weird and it gets creepy. But again, it's mostly from the girl's perspective and I, I think it's like a better British version of The Diary of a Teenage Girl and uh, I would definitely highly recommend it. Nice. Very creepy performance by Michael Fassman. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, my number four, honestly it pains me to put it at number four but I, I'll explain later but Slow West. My one of my biggest surprise movies ever. Yeah, love it. It's my number six. Nice. Uh, this is the one we got the um, screener or whatever for. Yep. The actual DVD. Thank you. Very much. By the way, <laughs> um, I don't know what a surprise movie this was for me. I did not expect to like really enjoy it, or I don't know. I don't know what I really thought about it, but it blew me away. It's gorgeous. Um, so stylish. Huh. Man, action the is rise of the western loud and poignant <laughs> yeah I absolutely yeah. everything's with movie. purpose in that movie and it's so it's like 85 minutes like it's quick to the point gets in gets out it doesn't linger it's great I could rewatch yeah. it many times yeah I remember saying I thought the time frame was perfect like, yeah exactly I, that's a great choice my number three is shame where he plays a sex addict and it's just a very frank uh, that's funny because my number 14 movie is Frank <laughs> it's a very frank look at uh, sex addiction and just his whole lifestyle how it's just taken hold of his life and it's not enjoyable but the movie is just it's from the uh, Steve McQueen same director as 12 Years a Slave and Hunger um, it's just Beautiful visually, uh, the way he shoots it. It's just, I don't know. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. I gotta admit something. Steve McQueen, every time I heard his name as a director, I'm like, Steve McQueen's dead. <laughs> yeah. Black British Steve <laughs> McQueen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it always perplexed me, but. Yeah. I kind of, for a while there, I kind of thought they were the same person, too. Like, this is very eerie. <laughs> All right. Have you seen Shame? Um, 
No. It's. I, I've heard of it now that uh, you described it. Again, at first. But. It's kind of a weird movie, but I like it a lot. Obviously. Very cool. <laughs> My know, number three is um not a movie most people love. I liked it more than other people, but uh, really, I thought his performance outdid everybody. It's uh, Prometheus. Yes, he was fantastic as David. The... He was amazing as David in this movie. Yeah, it's my number 13, and I did like that movie quite a bit. Yeah, it got a lot of hate. I guess people just expected it to be like a literal Aliens movie, but... It's, yeah, I like it. He's definitely the best part about it, though. Like, he's... It's very similar to the to the uh, android character in the original Alien, but he puts his yeah. own spin on it. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's like the funniest part of the movie. Isn't he bring some humor to it? Yeah, yeah. it's sort of like uh, like I guess if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't think he was so funny. But it is funny. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like the the computer from 2001: A Space Odyssey or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, his character choice. alone is what made me rewatch it, and the rewatch is what made me really actually like the movie, like I did. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there, like when she gives herself an abortion. That's crazy. Yeah, I could definitely see like someone's first watch missing a lot in the sauce. Sort of, there's there's sort of a lot going on and not a lot going on at the same time, and. I don't know. I personally had certain expectations about the movie, which were not correct at all. And I was, I did, I wasn't really sure about the movie the first time I watched it, and then the second time I was like, "Wow, this is a pretty solid one." Cool. But yeah, yeah. My number two is Twelve Years a Slave, and Michael Fassbender plays one of the most despicable villains in cinema history. <laughs> as the slave owner and yeah uh, it's an amazing movie that I probably will never watch again but it is very powerful again Steve McQueen just he really I mean the way he films stuff and portrays stories he just makes it feels so important just the way it, it's shot and all and yeah uh, I still haven't seen this one it's it's amazing. It's worth seeing. Uh, I've heard once. nothing but great yeah, things. Of course, but of course. I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself. I yeah. guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, there's also some great moments too. Like I love. Well, I guess it's not exactly great. It's a funeral of a slave that is killed by, but uh, it's like his the burying him at his funeral, and they all start singing this like hymn, and uh. Powerful, powerful stuff. I love that scene. Uh, but yeah, Michael Fassbender is fantastic and is much deserving of his Oscar nomination from that film. Nice. My number two, Inglorious Bastards. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. My number one's slightly a bit of a cheat, but I'll make my case. Um, right. <laughs> if you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards... The hell I don't you know what you're doing right now. You need to go watch it. Yes. It's a fantastic... It's a World War II movie, but it's a little more playful than that. Um, I don't know. We talked about it a little bit in our Tarantino it. episode. Yeah, we've, we've talked about this movie a whole lot. Yeah. Over 
a year or so. But. And actually, Inglorious Bastards is my number two as well. Of all time, <laughs> it's my number one on this list. Of course, I'll, I'll focus mostly on the Michael Fassbender character. I've already mm-hmm. said how scene by scene, I just think every single scene on its own is amazing and as a whole comes together even better. But Michael Fassbender... This wasn't the first movie I'd seen him in. That was probably 300. But this is the first movie where I was made aware of him, specifically. Yeah. He plays, like, the British uh, SAS. Uh, well, how, how do you say that? SAS? SAS. Or, SAS uh, yeah. soldier. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's great as that character. And I think his first scene is in the bar when they're doing the game where they stick the card on their forehead and... Oh, one of the most tense, yeah, tension building scenes ever. Absolutely, and a great payoff as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I really have to watch this movie again sometime soon. But uh, yeah, oh, so damn good, so good. It's like the movie that pushed me over the edge into cinephile. Yeah, it's when I realized movies can really be something special. What's your number one? With you on that. Number one, like I said, it's a bit of a cheat. It's not a movie. But it's the best movie ever made. Yes. I knew it. I have seen this show so many times. And it's ten at least hour-long episodes. The first time I ever saw it, me and your dad watched um, We Were Soldiers, Saving Private Ryan, and then threw this on because Pop had it, her grandfather had the VHS set. (laughs) He liked war movies and stuff, but he didn't like when they really went into the realism. When it wasn't really about narrative, it was actually about war. So, this was sitting around, and we ended up watching it, and we watched it straight through. We stayed up all night. I really have to see this. It's one of my biggest blind spots. It's, I mean... When you see Band of Brothers, when you go back and watch Saving Private Ryan, don't get me wrong, the opening scene in Saving Private Ryan is incredible. It makes it seem like a movie magic, like not even that cool. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's I've incredible. Right? It's the same people. Spielberg and Tom Hanks were the producers, directors of it. But I don't know. It's, I mean, there's got, just too much. The cast is ridiculous. It's a true story. Yeah. That's freaking Ross Geller, of all people. (laughs) Office space. That's what we called him the whole time. It's office space. (laughs) Um, Uh, Any honorable mentions? 300. All right. I'll list off my incredibly long list of honorable mentions. All right. Slow West, like you said. Jane Eyre, uh, my number seven. I mean, this was one of my biggest surprises of all time, like, Jane Eyre. That just sounds so stuffy and boring, and it's just not. (laughs) This movie is incredibly beautiful and well-acted and just blew me away. At number eight, I had Eden Lake, a horror movie that, again, I was surprised by because it's pretty basic concept. Man and woman are on vacation in this place, and they're like having a picnic by this beach and these little punk English kids are around and they start like picking back and forth against each other and it turns into this whole bloody affair 
Very, if you like horror at all, it's worth checking out. Number nine, X-Men Days of Future Past. Number ten, Haywire, an underrated action movie with Gina Carano as the main person. And Channing Tatum is in there. Just Steven Soderbergh film with incredible choreographed action scenes. Eleven, X-Men First Class. Twelve, 300. Thirteen, Prometheus. Fourteen, Frank. Fifteen, Hunger. Sixteen, The Counselor. All right. Nice. That's all. That's all. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube page and nominate us for the podcast awards on the film and TV section. Or flat out email us, theredboxreport at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Redbox Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at Redbox Reporter. Like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and we will catch you later, alligators. See you in a while, crocodiles. There you go. It's not enough to say this is my